mean, do you get my audio out of that? I guess you do. You get some of it, right? Like, get a little bleed? I guess maybe maybe a little bleed through my headphones or whatever. Yeah, probably not much, though. <laughs> I mean, come on. The, we've talked about the gray market marijuana situation in Ontario true. like a we million have. times, right? It's legal up here. It's just like where you're getting it from. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. We yep. don't know. <laughs> Welcome back to Dance Robot Dance, everybody. This is episode 294. See, I almost wrote 293 because I didn't edit last week and it fucked my system up. <laughs> so my system's all fucked up now. I went into the the, the Zencast was like, oh, wait, oh, everything I wrote was wrong. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, I'm Mark and I'll be hosting this week's foray into darkness, I guess. Who are we? Yeah. And then uh, I'm here with my buddy, Tim. Hey, folks. Uh, yeah. So uh, how are you doing this week? I'm yeah, sorry about good. the assignment. I forgot how fucking dour that movie was. <laughs> yeah, let's watch that. <laughs> It is, but it's just so fucking well made that like oh, God, it's so just good. overlook overlook how dour it is. No, I'm good. I've, I've been uh, getting out of the house. My office st- has started like having people like non-essential people back into the office yeah. and shit like that. So I've got to go into my office a couple times a week. And I realize for a lot of people, that's like, that sounds terrible. I don't want that. But like, this is my first time having my like own dedicated office that I can close the door on and everything. And, it, and so it's just nice to have a change of scenery for work for the first time really in like a couple of years. You'll get sick of it eventually. Well, that's the thing. You're not going in every day. Like if you're going yeah, in five like, days a week, I'd be yeah, like, yeah, exactly. okay, you're fucking going to get sick of it. But I mean, yeah. it's a nice novelty to have like that space to go and do work. I do like, I'm I sometimes think about that. Like, yeah, you're way more extroverted than I am. So there is yeah. also that. But I've also, I've thought about like, there's other guys I know who do like what I do, like freelance illustration or design that will like rent studio space together. And like mm-hmm. they all just freelance, but just so they have somebody to like kind of sit there and bullshit with. Uh, I don't, that's what I use Twitter for now. You know, it's nice to go in and feel like, you know, I'm kind of part of the team and everything. And like, I've got an office that, you know, that's not my home office that I can like decorate and shit now, too. And, you know, I've got all this shit. And like, that's like 97% of the reason why I started doing the prints, because I wanted to give like nice, classy illustration versions of prints for people to put up in their offices and stuff. Like these would get framed and it would look cool up on your wall, but still like nerdy, right? That was the original impetus for why I'm doing all the stupid stuff that I'm doing right now is making like kind of like higher like nicer pop culture illustrations that you could put up in like mm-hmm. like if you were an advertising executive having my transformers print up on the wall be like oh that's cool right yeah, yeah. that kind of thing as opposed yeah. to like yeah we just have ads up on the wall no that's yeah. <laughs> anyway let's get into the news because there was some shit that happened this week not as much as bit. usual but some stuff um first and foremost the long ballyhooed discussed amazon merger with mgm pictures closed this week at 8.5 billion dollars which means they have intellectual property like rights control rights over a whole bunch all the mgm library but i think the one that everybody's the most kind of like intrigued by is they now split bond. Yeah, they now split ownership of Bond with Eon Productions. So um, I don't think you're ever going to see a Bond movie come direct to Amazon Prime video. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a Bond series come direct to Amazon Prime video. There's absolutely a Bond series that could happen at Amazon Prime video. I mean, they just started Reacher. It's kind of a weird time for them to be having another like quasi-spy thing. But if you get James Bond, you're like, yeah, sorry, Tom Clancy stuff. Or what? that's not even Tom Clancy, that's Lee Childs. But like that kind of shit. Yeah, we have we have Bond now, so like... Bye, I guess. But anyway, I don't actually have a huge opinion on this one way or the other. I don't like seeing all these things getting like acquired and merging and all that kind of good stuff because it just means there's less place for people to go to create shit, which is not always the best thing. And we've been talking about this in terms of like 
uh, Disney more and more recently, but like it is happening kind of everywhere. So I'm just waiting for Amazon to say prime video is no longer part of your prime membership. You have to pay for it separately. That's what's coming inevitably, yeah. right? Like, the, and I'm, I'm not paying fucking Amazon. Like the only reason I pay Amazon for prime shipping right now is because I is definitely, they're definitely taking a fucking loss on me because of like, I get like multiple packages a week from Amazon. Yeah. Kind oh, of yeah thing, me right? too. I abuse Amazon prime like crazy. So, yeah. um, and so that's the thing though, like if the, their video offering, is now better to me than what Netflix has because the movies are basically the same in terms of third party stuff and their first party output to me now that the net, like the Marvel shows are gone far yeah. outstrips what Netflix is offering lately. Like I, I don't give a shit about stranger things, but the boys invincible, I mean, they just finished the expanse, but who knows how much more expanse shit's going to happen. We've got Lord of the Rings coming from Amazon or you have mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings coming from Amazon. <laughs> so I'm more inclined to sit on Amazon's streaming service and keep my Disney, then keep well, my Netflix. I'll just put my fucking pirate hat. I don't, the thing is, I, mean, I don't pay, too, right? like, the only streaming service I pay for that's just a streaming service is Disney Plus, because I'm on my parents' Netflix subscription yeah. for however fucking much longer that lasts, because apparently Netflix is starting to fucking hunt down people that are sharing logins, even if you're all on the, the same, same account, house. and like, yeah. you know, not using the three screens or whatever at the same time, like you're, you know, you're using it within the limitations of the membership, but if you don't fucking live in the same place, so fuck well, that's you. How Spotify Netflix. works now. And like also the, uh, yeah, I don't know. Netflix is like, I don't know why they, Disney went like completely in on that, like phenomenon of like the account sharing kind of thing. Yeah. So they, far, they, right. They haven't gotten, yeah. they haven't really gotten nuts about it yet, but Netflix now, like they're charging, first of all, the price went up again this week. It's not like $21 or something like that. Yeah, know, a month for like the highest tier price or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, which is nuts considering what they're offering is like. My problem is the movies, just like they're the same shit that's on Amazon. So, like, what difference does oh, yeah. it make? Which one I'm using? Netflix's movie offering is fucking garbage these days. It's like one out of yeah. ten it, that I like. You know, there's a movie I want to see and I look on Netflix and it's there. Yeah. You know, it's a fucking ten percent chance because they're just letting so many of those deals lapse because they're just like original content is what we want to do now and yeah and like your original content is stranger things which is like dying on the vine and the only other thing that like really interested i mean i guess it's different for different groups but like i didn't have anything aside from daredevil and those groups of shows that was really tying me to netflix yeah i can't think of it i mean castlevania but that's over now too you know what i mean like they have castlevania and transformers and stuff like stuff that i was interested in but like transformers sucked so mm. like who cares he man like i mean yeah, that's a that's why we have torrent shit you know what yeah, I mean? like that kind fine. of thing so <laughs> yeah and then like i don't know i don't know either way we're talking about amazon prime even though we're talking about amazon buying mgm but yeah it's all tied together for streaming stuff and it's getting expensive again to just like want to watch your content um mm-hmm. we have i think about four video streaming services now in yeah, canada Crave, disney plus netflix, uh, netflix amazon prime amazon prime yeah and then i have i do youtube too i mean i don't pay for it right now but i have in the past paid for youtube premium so mm. i just like the no ads on all my devices that's kind of my yeah. one of those things i'll always pay for i hate sitting through fucking ads anyway uh yeah so that's the thing speaking of netflix this is an interesting one to me because i might actually watch this netflix has signed a deal to produce irredeemable like incorruptible and irredeemable does the comic oh, the yeah. boom comic series by uh kurt Busiek. uh i think it was kurt Busiek. I don't, I'm not super, I know them kind of by name, but that's about it. Oh, I was going to say you wouldn't know them because they're from Boom. They're not from, uh, 
Irredeemable was cr- uh, created by Mark Wade. That's why I thought Kurt Busiek, because it's one of those like Alex Ross collaborators. Um, so it's mm-hmm. Mark Wade and illustrated by Peter Cross. And it's a it's basically like the Superman corrupted story. But like Lex Luthor, the, the story of it is that like his Lex Luthor becomes the hero and takes him down kind of thing. It's an excellent, mm-hmm. excellent, excellent book. Mark Wade. I mean, obviously Mark Wade's one of those guys like you can basically guarantee is going to do a good job on a long form yeah. comic that has conversations about the corruption of the Superman. He's put some thought into that over the years, I think, for various reasons. This is just <laughs> interesting to me because being produced by Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Kemp Powers is writing it. James Samuel is directing. And Jay-Z and James Lasseter are producing. So Jay-Z's getting into the production game, which is kind of cool. Is it a black uh, character, like the, the main not, character? Not in the book that I remember. I'm tr- it's been a long time since I read it now. Um, in I know that's you know, Jay Z's putting a lot of Probably, money behind but like even black they, creators, black characters, and stuff like even that. if they just bought it and put a black guy in either of those roles, I don't think it would make a big difference one way or the other. They're not. Yeah. I see white characters on the cover art that I'm looking at now, but I mean, yeah. it doesn't change the story if they're black or not. So go nuts. But have you seen like the the creative team on that? Like, yeah, it's it's uh, Mark Wade. paid for by Jay Z, but no, the on the series. Oh, on the but, series, like, yeah. It's, it's like produced and going to be directed by like entirely black, like production yeah. team. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. So that makes me think like they might be, you know, adapting it into a, uh, like they race everybody. Like that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, as, I think the know. story's really good. Like if they, if they stick close to the original comic in terms of like the way the story works and like the characterization, especially is very strong. It'd be really good. That's actually a book. I thought about making you read it at some point. Cause it's very like, this is Superman. If like, things go yeah. really wrong. You know what I mean? And not like the way DC does it where he, still, he can be redeemed. Like he just goes completely off and he's like the devil at that point. It's just like, Oh, we just have to kill him. Is basically what the story kind of ends up being. Lander. Yeah. Kind of. It's just like more powerful, right? Like actually Superman powerful, not like Wiener version, Homelander powerful, <laughs> basically invincible, right? Like one of the Vitruvians or something like that. Just mm. fucking things up bad. Planet crackers, that kind of stuff. It'll be fun if that happens or when it happens. Whew, got some casting news this week. They have cast a James T. Kirk. Mm-hmm. I am not super keen. It is. Oh, God damn it. I just wrote all this shit Paul down. Wesley. Yeah, Paul Vampire Wesley will Diaries. be uh, stepping into good old William Shatner's and Chris Pine's shoes now. I guess more Shatner, yeah. though. It's prime timeline. So. Yes. Yeah, so it's early Shatner days. Early in the timeline for Kirk to be showing up on the Enterprise. But... Uh, Hey man, they're they're just gonna do these shows. However, they're gonna do these shows, I guess. So yeah, I don't recognize this dude at all. I can see maybe a little bit of of you know early Chatner he resemblance. He was in like Blood Vampire Diaries or something like Vampire that. Vampire Diaries, that yeah, is what yeah, apparently what not, he's best known for. And then a couple other things that I've I mean I've never watched Vampire Diaries. Either. Nope. I'd have to ask my sister. I think she watched that trash. That's a CW like trash garbage show, like Riverdale mm-hmm. or something like that. I think so. Not really there for that. I don't know. I mean, that shows. I mean, they've at least been renewed for a second season, and they're going to have this new guy playing Captain Kirk, or I guess it might not be Captain Kirk, Commander Kirk. Probably. The world has already been renewed for yeah. season two, and they haven't even premiered the the show. Show doesn't premiere for like another week. I think it comes out next. Hmm. No, it's May. Sorry, May. May twenty fifth. Pretty well then. I would. I hope so. You know what are you going to do? 
this is just for me. Uh, the AMC and Rice adaptation are continuing to move along. We got a recognizable name attached to the live version of the Mayfair Witch series. The lead Rowan Mayfair will be played by Alexandra D'Addario, who has been the voice of Lois Lane in some recent Superman directed DVDs. She was in True Detective and she starred alongside The Rock in Baywatch. She's been in a bunch of <laughs> shit, like obviously. This is pretty spot on casting for that role. She's a reasonably good actress and like she's so hot that like I'll watch her in anything. So cast her in my Anne Rice you know, sloppy romancy stuff or whatever this is supposed to be. Oh, I, I mean, it's not. Her. Yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. I can't remember I think what else she's been, been in. I've definitely seen her in something before. She was in the other one, San Andreas. Or was that San Andreas? The one where he, the rocks like the helicopter pilot and his wife is Gina somebody. And she's his yeah, daughter. I don't, I don't watch those shitty fucking rock movies. That's your deal. Oh, man. I, I watched Juman- the second Jumanji again this week. They're so terrible, but I love them. <laughs> I still haven't even watched Jungle Cruise, and that's like right up my fucking alley. Have you seen any of the, Juma- the other Jumanji movie? Not the new ones, no. You'd probably like it. It's fun. Like, goofy fun. Like, it's got like Jack yeah. Black and stuff, and like Karen Gillan's in it. Karen Gillan looks great. Yeah. She's like playing know. like Lara Croft, like a Lara Crofty kind of character. I'll probably watch Jungle Cruise before I watch Jumanji. I like Jungle Cruise. I liked it better when it was called The Mummy and starred Rachel Vice. Because <laughs> I love Rachel Vice. So, anyway. We got confirmation this week from Samuel L. Jackson, of all people, that Don Cheadle is, in fact, going to be the star of Secret Invasion. I guess that wasn't, like, a thing. But he came out this week and was like, hey, yeah, I showed up on set and Don Cheadle's there. So, everybody, don't worry about <laughs> it. Don Cheadle's on that show. I didn't realize that wasn't a known fact. I thought doing like oh no secret invasion I I guess that makes sense yeah Sorry. i figured he was gonna be on Armor Armor Wars. Wars for sure right i don't know why my brain just went like yeah why would he not be in that show but that's cool man if he's gonna be in everything bring up more don yeah. cheadle more don yeah, cheadle. He's, he's been doing like just these little bits and pieces here since well basically since he got fucking since he got his ass up, handed yeah. to him <laughs> well no but like even since like he's never really had like a leading role right he's always been like tony's support so yeah. this will be the first time he kind of gets to step out of tony's shadow and like do his own thing yeah. so that's kind of cool but I guess, yeah, it looks like not and not just Rhodey. It's like War Machine is going to be part of Secret Invasion is what they've said, too. So like, yeah. he's going to be in the suit doing shit, which is dope. Which I, Secret Invasion is supposed to come out before Armor Wars, right? So maybe they'll I use it as like a lead in kind of thing. Probably. I mean, I don't know. All these like they keep shuffling the schedules around. Even the Marvel stuff, I'm, I'm having a hard time keeping track of because they keep switching stuff around. Like Doctor Strange was supposed to be out already. Right. Like we were supposed to see Doctor Strange before we saw Moon Knight. And now we're yeah. seeing Moon Knight in like a week. And Doctor yeah. Strange is not till May. <laughs> and it was the same way, like with uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye. Like Hawkeye, I think, was supposed to come first because it kind of introduced us to, I just want to call her Veep. Julia oh, Dreyfus' character. Yeah. The Contessa. The Contessa. Yeah. But uh, I think we met that we ended up meeting her in Black Widow instead or whatever. No. Black Captain Widow America. and in Captain America, right? Yeah, Captain America and Winter Soldier. She's in both of those. I think like we're supposed to see her in Cap first, and then or like in Black Widow first, and then see Cap or something like. That. I don't know. All the plans yeah. kept getting switched around, so I have no idea what's going on. Either way, I'm all on board for Secret Invasion. I'm all on board for Armor Wars, especially if he's got Don fucking Cheadle and all of it. I love Don Cheadle. He was the best part, <laughs> like best voice cast that we saw last week too. So yeah, you know that episode wasn't great, but like Don Cheadle's fucking awesome. So there you <laughs> go. That's because that's got like Amelia Clark in it too, eh? It's quite the little cast they're putting together oh, yeah, for that show. That. That's cool. We got a trailer for Miss Marvel this week that was uh, perfect, like totally perfect for what Miss Marvel should be in terms mm-hmm. of being a young girl becoming aspirationally a superhero, a la Captain Marvel. 
the branding's very, very close to like what they're doing for Captain Marvel and the Marvels and all that stuff, right? Like they're not fucking around keeping this branding all on point either. So yeah, I really like that trailer. I've been yeah. saying for a while now that like you know it's just trauma, 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 PTSD, PTSD is like all of the everything we're getting in Marvel on big screen, on little screen, whatever right now. And so I'm ready for something that's sort of lighter in tone, you know, smaller in scope, but yeah. You know, so, and that's exactly what this looks like. So that's funny. Cause that's what Spider-Man used to like. That's what Spider-Man was supposed to be back in the day. Like yeah, in the lineup. And now, now Spider-Man <laughs> was also fucking like dealing now, with trauma. <laughs> now he's like the lead of the entire franchise. It is like the most traumatized of all of them. It was them, three so, yeah. different fucking Spider-Man dealing with trauma. <laughs> I haven't rewatched that yet. Actually, it's been out for a couple of days, and I haven't sat down and watched it. I've been yeah, doing it's on Disney stuff. Plus now, right? Well, no, it's it's out like uh, Blu-ray and streaming, so mm-hmm. I have a copy of it. I got my DVD actually already of it, so yeah. came early. That's kind of nice. That Madam Web, sh- I'm not sure if this is a Sony one or an actual MCU one now because it keeps coming up inside of stories that are MCU based. But I don't think I think it's no, I think it's, it's a Sony, it's Sony one, right? Yeah, yeah. It, they cast Sydney Sweeney in it though, who's just coming off of a, a run in Euphoria which is like a big fucking deal show all of a sudden. She's a little blonde. She's very pretty. But like, I guess she's the lead of this thing now. I have no idea what, what this movie is supposed to be. The lead supposed to be that woman from fucking uh, Dakota Johnson. Oh, is that who they cast in this? I thought that was who was, they were getting to play Spider Woman. They haven't said they haven't fucking said any like okay. Well, either way, anybody. <laughs> so they're just hot, like hiring hot girls and putting them in this Madam Web movie. I guess is basically what they're doing here. Yeah. They, that's so they just they these announced two a couple are. months ago that Dakota Johnson was okay. in it, but they haven't said who she's going to be. And now they're just saying Sydney Sweeney also cast in it, not telling you who. Yeah. What are you going to do? The last little bit of casting that I had here is that uh, Florence Pugh, one Florence Pugh, will be in Dune Two. At this little movie, little sci-fi movie. Oh yeah, it's coming well, up. That had been rumored. Yeah, like, it was confirmed. That she was this in week. talks, but now it's confirmed. Yeah, yeah. As the princess, Princess Irulan. Yes, I mean, I know she's not going to be as funny as she was in Hawkeye, so this is basically kind of like a moot point for me. So, but you know, cool. Florence Pugh gets to just be in everything because she's awesome. So, we like Florence Pugh. Apparently, there's Netflix just continuing to just surprise me with weird shit that I'm never going to want to watch. Uh, they are doing a live action Resident Evil series at Netflix now. I don't know if it's oh, tied yeah, to we, this. We've talked about series. that because it's just one of those. Because the movie just came out, like the Welcome to Raccoon know. City. I don't care enough to remember. <laughs> just does not. This is stuff that just doesn't stick in my head. I watch, I play video games and Resident Evil is a series that I played lots of. It's just that, like whenever they do this extended media stuff, it's always like, it doesn't even feel like the games do. So it's like, why bother? I never understand this about some of these where it's like, what's the point of fucking slapping the name of something on it? If you're just going to make something completely different from what yeah. the game is, I don't know, whatever. To sell it basically. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> to guess. tap that built in audience. I know sometimes they do it. And like the Silent Hill movie was not like, it wasn't great, but it wasn't fucking terrible. You know what I mean? Like it was pretty mm-hmm. good. And like you, so you can do a good horror video game adaptation. All the best horror I think is happening in video games now. Anyway, it's like a, a much more, I find it to be a much more terrifying experience to be in control of what's going on. Oh yeah. Did being you immersed in a, yeah. in a, so. a fucking horror movie is way scarier than just watching it on a screen. Yeah, so like I tend to prefer my horror to be video game based, I think, more these days than like movies. I don't know. Like, I got you. Did you play Alien Isolation? I've recommended it to you a million times. No, I did buy it, but I haven't played it yet. Game almost broke me when I was playing it. Digital shame pile. There you go. 
Last thing I had on this short little news pile here is that uh, with Spider-Man No Way Home finally in our grubby digital 4K hands, uh, the next superhero release to come home will be the Batman, obviously. But they've already announced that that will be coming out on streaming. At, I think you can pay and buy it by April 19th, and it will be on HBO by the 23rd of April. HBO or something Max, like that. which means Crave in Canada. Yeah, so HBO Max will hit will arrive on Tuesday, April 19th. And then, watch, well, yeah, Craven Canada. And then the 23rd, it will be on HBO service providers. I don't know what that means. Probably means it's like, actually be on your cable now. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Cable, what's that? I don't know. Fuck's fine, though. That's what my gigabit internet comes in on, I think, actually. <laughs> anyway, that was all I had for the news. Do you have anything else you want to bring up? Uh, I had one or two other things. You didn't want to talk about the rumored Daredevil reboot? We've been talking about the the rumored Daredevil reboot for four years now. When it's, it's, it, it, when it it's actually, confirmed, yeah. I will fucking talk about it again. It has shown up on a in like a Hollywood yeah. rag, basically as like something that is currently under production. Yeah, it's production been popping up weekly. like that. Yeah, under this under some of the spoiler like subreddits and stuff like that, it's been popping as like possibly in production under a alias kind of production name for mm. months. And the same thing happened with Deadpool three, and now they're like because of the Deadpool three confirmation, they're like, oh no, that means that one thing that we thought was Daredevil is absolutely fucking one hundred percent Daredevil now. Like, well, this is still fucking Marvel. They might still pull a fast one on you, motherfuckers. So like, it slow literally it down. does say Daredevil reboot in production weekly. Well. I'll take it. And when <laughs> Kevin Feige fucking tells me, yeah, then I'll, cause like, yeah, like I said, it's been in the trades for months and months. Like it's like a daredevil thing is happening, but yeah. you know, so reboot, who knows if that means with Charlie Cox or oh, no, if- that's they, they brought him back. They're just rebooting it like soft rebooting it into the MCU so that they don't yeah. have to like, they can totally lighten it up. Although I guess I don't know why they would do that at this point. Now that the shows are on Disney without any editing at all. Apparently. Yeah. And, so. and fucking like, you know, those shitty parent groups are saying, like, this is not appropriate to be on Disney Plus. It's, like, it's on Disney well, Plus in every other country in the world except use, for America. Use Eat the goddamn shit, America. content fucking management or content warning system or whatever it is. The content control. Like, it's what it's fucking in there for. I got prompted yesterday to, like, <laughs> tell Netflix or tell Disney Plus that I wanted to see the mature content. And then I got prompted for everybody else that's on my account to like, you know, whether or not to limit their fucking content. There's a, I'm like the only reason why I want to have a long, long prosperous life is so that I can watch stupid fucking Americans finally realize that the world doesn't revolve around them. (laughs) But it's not you likely think that's going to happen in my lifetime. lifetime? Yeah, no, I don't think I don't. that's going to happen that's in the, any of our lifetimes. I don't want to have it in a, like I need to have a very very long life because it might happen <laughs> in a long long timeline. But uh, the, them and the Russians will probably glass each other first. Yes, yeah, uh, I think America probably ceases to exist before that happens. I, for one, look forward to Canada's global dominance. Then I guess I don't know. The very last thing that I had was that William Hurt passed away this oh, past shit. week. I forgot about William Hurt. God damn who, it. I'm an idiot. <laughs> who we would, you know, who MCU fans would know as General Thunderbolt Ross, who has been playing that since the fucking Hulk movies. Yep. So he's been the first in, Incredible Hulk movie uh, that they did with Edward Norton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah the Ang Lee uh, Hulk movie. He's uh, in the Ang Lee one. That's not him. Oh, no, That's not Nick the Nolte. one. No. It's uh, the oh, Ed yeah. Norton one. Yeah, the Ed Norton one. So 
Yeah, so he passed away at 71 natural causes, but you know, that dude has been in a bunch of stuff over the years. Controversial would, man too, so, you know. Yeah. But one of the things that I remember for him that sort of fits into our, you know, this kind of stuff we talk about is he played uh Duke Atreides in the sci-fi miniseries version of Dune back in like the <laughs> early 2000s. I remember that one actually. Yeah. And uh he also was with shit like Body Heat, Altered States, uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. He won an Oscar for. So, yeah, been around for a long time and sadly passed away. What was it Dark City? Oh, yeah. Dark, Dark City was such a good awesome. movie. That's, one of, that's a movie we should cover the way we're covering seven this week. Yeah, absolutely. True. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's everything that's, I had. Uh, I, mean, that's, I completely forgot about the William Hurt thing. It sucks. It happened like the day after we recorded last. So yeah, that's why those I things where about you can't you can't always remember like fuck did we talk about this or did it happen after we recorded or what? Yeah, it was definitely one of those two because I was like, wait, uh, did we? And it was like way at the at the end of all the news stuff too because it was like yeah. a week and a half ago that it happened. I was kind of like looking at stuff. Anyway, sucks. Uh, yeah, I liked the Miss Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, it's gonna be sad not having like. I guess he kind of like, we kind of did the end of that. I guess in Black Widow, right? Like the mm. he was looking real sickly in those movies like they made him the look worse and worse as like timing was yeah. going on i don't know if that was like actually william hurt being sick or is they were making thunderbolt out to ross be Ill. look older because yeah. they were like i mean i that's the character that ends up as the red hulk right thunderbolt ross mm. eventually like in the 616 like in the mm. comics so i was wondering if they were like making him play sick so that eventually he could like turn to the gamma radiation as a cure kind of thing yeah. and then turn into the red hulk and come back and i guess they could recast and do that now but it would have been interesting to see william hurt who was actually i mean yeah controversy aside is a very talented actor had been around for a long time doing a lot of good work so it would have been mm-hmm. cool to see him play that you know dichotomy through anyway let's do geek of the week geek of the week so the segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we've done this week tim we'll start with you i i gained a new title this week I have become the online conference manager for the Mythopoeic Society. So listeners will know that I have talked about going to their conferences for a while. I've talked about the last couple of events that they've had, which have been online due to the pandemic, uh, MythCon last year, and the online midwinter seminar, which was last month. And I ended up like being pretty heavily involved, not so much in the organization of those, but more in like the technical implementation of those, like running, we ended up running like three online tracks, basically three different zoom rooms off like a bunch of different computers in our house. Cause we have way too many computers in our house and shit like that. And Preaching also like, yeah. And also like hosting some online content and after hours activities and that kind of thing. And so I sort of just threw my hat in the ring saying like, Hey, if you need somebody to like sort of, just oversee this because it's kind of a new venture for you. I'd be down for that. And the board, the stewards of the society all voted and said, yeah, sure. He can do that. So I now have that role. So it's not like part of like their, you know, top level, like leadership kind of thing, which is that council of stewards, but it means that I'll have, you know, just more formal stuff to do surrounding that. And I'll be able to, so I'm planning to like, you know, put some efforts into try and like really 
extend the reach of the society because like right now it is a society that has a lot of older members. I think like the average membership age is probably in the sixties somewhere because there's not a lot of young people, but, and also it doing online events means that we have a much lower barrier to entry. People don't have to worry about like traveling to these conferences and stuff like that in order to participate. So it means we can get, you know, hopefully a more like diverse and international membership of people coming to the events and that sort of thing too. So yeah, I'm looking forward to helping out the first event I'll be helping out with. We haven't figured out yet if we're going to MythCon is happening in person this year in uh, August. Yeah. Beginning of August in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but we're not sure if we're going to do like an online component surrounding that yet or not. So yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, are you getting paid? Nope. Not yeah, at all. No, I, I wouldn't take that fucking job then. No, thank you. <laughs> doing tech support I mean, for free is basically like my existence now here. Well, I mean, so, I was uh, already doing it basically. Yeah, no, so I just right. figured That's like, fine. you know, this, this way, you know, not, not that I'm doing it for power or influence or anything like that, but it means that like I'll get to have at least some small say in like kind of shaping the the events going forward and how they're run and who we reach and that kind of thing. And I can like, you know, try and make an effort to reach out to, you know, other fan groups and that sort of thing to make connections and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Cool. Cool. I haven't really, I've been working on my posters for that uh, show that I talked about last week. So I really haven't been doing much aside from like keeping up with TV. I have kept up with Picard though, and it's still watchable three episodes in, which I know is just them fooling me. Like I know they're playing. You're just jinxing it now. I know I am. I said that at the first, I got to the end of the first episode. I was like, oh man, this is, this is pretty good. How many episodes till they pull the rug out from under me? It's exactly what I thought. It is exactly what I think (laughs) I said to you when I said, like, wow, this is pretty good. Uh, what how long is it going to be? There's like, they still haven't managed to fuck it up yet. I'm, they're getting there. They're getting there. I'm sure they're trying real hard. Yeah. We're back in the, we're literally back in the present now. Like we're in 2024. And because yeah, Q's, Q's running the because Q's doing time crew, travel horse well, shit. This, yeah, Picard and Picard's his posse, fucking posse or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, through time, <sighs> through time, and it's like where have we seen this before? Like, hmm. I mean, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I feel like the best part of the show is just that, like, they've given Jerry Ryan the lead now. Like she's oh, just yeah. like kind of because he can't do anything. She's the he's, de facto. Yeah. Yeah. He's 90 years old, right? Like he, <laughs> he looks he's really starting to look like he's 90 years old, you know, like not yeah. to, to disparage Patrick Stewart and like that. But like, you know, he's fucking 90 years old. So they've kind of de facto given Jerry Ryan the lead of this show. And she's actually carrying it the way she kind of carried Voyager for the last four years of its existence, too. <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe they should just give her a fucking show as opposed to like anything else she's marketable she's a babe what do you fucking want from your star trek lead she's a borg come on there's all kinds of horrible trauma in her past that's what these fucking horrible writers like anyway i'd rather watch that than discovery so (laughs) oh lord that's i mean that's that finale today technically as well i think and i will be i have that and dmz lined up for this weekend i think i'm gonna do do disco first because no matter how bad dmz is at least i get to look at Rosario Dawson Dawson. for four hours, which like can't hurt. Oh, did all of DMZ drop at once? I didn't realize it was doing. I don't know if it's all, if it's just the four episodes, but four episodes dropped into Crave today when I logged in to watch Picard. So 
Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll watch that this weekend. And what I'll probably do is watch Disco first to get the pain out of the way and then watch Rosario Dawson. Pull that band-aid off. And, and then make myself feel better by watching Rosario. Sol- solve yourself with, <laughs> with Rosario Dawson. And it's based soothe on like my, a comic. Soothe my pain. And it's based nightmares. on a comic that I've, I was told that I was like, I should read too. Like DMZ is a book that like it's a DC book. eh? Like it's a Vertigo thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those like not not in the DC continuity dc books yeah so uh i was i'm looking forward to that because i like rosario dawson so there's that but yeah picard they're doing something i don't know what it's gonna be stay tuned you know we might do an episode about it where i just start fucking screaming again so (laughs) that's always a possibility also anyway it's uh meat of the episode time meat of the episode what meat's in the box oh yeah i was waiting for what you were gonna do with the box thing anyway uh we <laughs> just i mean we talked a lot about seven when we watched the batman a couple weeks ago and i feel like <laughs> it's a little bit of influence i feel like matt reeves also may have watched seven while he was making the batman like every oh. fucking day while he was yeah. fucking producing the movie he just let it play while he was sleeping <laughs> just, and it just absorbed the vibe into his body <laughs> quite get it it's not quite i mean it's not (laughs) r-rated the way this movie is but holy shit it was there a lot of it so i figured you know what we got nothing to do this week there's nothing to cover let's go back to the sweet sweet halcyon days of the 90s when things were better in the world (laughs) and russians were kind of scared of us still not just bomb people wait this this movie it represents when things were better in the world Sadly, yes, actually. <laughs> Look about 1995 and like how well, this, much better shit was. <laughs> this movie represents a time where you could go and watch a movie like this and it would feel like escapism and not a fucking yeah. actual representation of society. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously we're talking about uh, 2005. No, 1995. Seven. 2005. Shit, I, I watched the wrong movie. Shit, I watched the wrong movie. Uh, well, the, you know, they were going to make a sequel to this movie called Eight where Detective Somerset would come back having received psychic powers <laughs> in the aftermath of this movie. And David Fincher, and I quote, said that he would rather have cigarettes put out in his eyes than make that movie. And I was like, David Fincher, I fucking love you, brother. Thank well, you he for also that. <laughs> that man also said he would rather die of colon cancer than make another movie after Alien 3 because that was such a painful experience. <laughs> See, I like David Fincher. Colorful shit. Good book. Yeah. Just and like he makes quality, <laughs> quality movies. So yeah, this is 1995's Seven, starring Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm gonna say Kevin Spacey's name once, and then refer to him as Sex Pest for the rest of the fucking run, because no, that's basically pest. what he is. But it's great because this is the only role that I can accept him in. A horrifying serial killer who gets shot in the head six times at the end of the run of the movie. So and that you don't have to see his fucking face for 85 percent of the movie. And then get shot in the face six times by yeah. Brad Pitt, who you love. Like everybody's like, "Oh, he did the bad thing." I'm like, "Nah, I'd have shot Kevin Spacey in the, the right face thing. six times." Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I guess before we do the plot real quick, Tim, what the have you seen this movie obviously before? Like, oh, do you yeah, remember I, the first time you've seen it? Like, is this like a favorite of yours? Like, we're doing this for a reason. Yeah, I, I own this. I have owned this on DVD for yeah over 20 years easily kind of thing like i yeah, first I saw this it on every version they release of this fucking movie i buy it <laughs> like i'll buy the upgrade in 4k when it comes out like probably this year because yeah god damn i didn't see it in theaters i probably saw it around like 97 or something like that like you mm-hmm. know 16 17 was probably the first time that i saw it and immediately just like made 
a fucking impression on me, like for a number of reasons. But yeah, so and this is this is definitely a favorite of mine. It might be my favorite Fincher movie overall. I don't know. It is absolutely really my make, favorite Fincher movie. It's like it's like the Fincher movie. Like I will say this a couple times, but it's like Fincher made a Batman movie without Batman in it. It's this yeah. movie is fucking perfect to me in terms of like being this kind of like noir serial killer kind of thing mm-hmm. i actually did see this movie in theaters at 14 years old i snuck into the theater that i was going to work at Jesus. in a couple years and saw this fucking horrifying piece of shit with some of my buddies the advantage of being like six feet tall when you're 14 is you can just walk into whatever movie you want i guess and i did watch seven as a result of that when i was like 14 or 15 years old and yeah this movie left a massive impression on me uh soundtracks dope as shit it's like an early experiment in Trent Reznor's scoring stuff. No, Trent Reznor didn't score. I don't Howard. score, but like they use they use his they use his yeah, music yeah. kind of like in as a couple a, a of places. Yeah, for uh, some of the whatever. Yeah, there is a scoring here that's fucking amazing. Also, so it's Howard Shore. Yeah, Howard Shore does the score for this one. David Fincher directing just within an inch of its life. The cinematography mm-hmm. in this movie. I remember we were kind of like complimenting the cinematography in the Batman. I was like, that was pretty good. Not as good as this. This movie's so yeah. well shot. Holy yeah. shit. This movie's insanely well shot. I love this fucking movie. So, Tim, let's fucking, you know, slide <laughs> on our big boy pants and, like, oh, get into the dark side here. And uh, why don't you walk us through the plot of Seven? The plot of Seven, or Sevevan, if yes. you will. Seven. Yeah, Sevenin. Yeah. Sevenin, yes. If you like the stylized version of the title. I started working on an AMP while we were doing this, right? Because like that's what I do now is just like make culture into movie posters about everything. I'm absolutely leaning into the fucking like seven and seven. Yeah, Just because why the fuck not? It's fun typographically to fiddle with it. So yes. All that scratchiness. So we have Morgan Freeman playing an I'm too old for this homicide detective named Somerset, who's just a he's just a week away from retirement, just stereotypical to a T. But you don't even fucking care because he's so good in the role. The, the part the problem is he ruins this role for everybody else after him. Nobody he's else can so do it. Good. He's yeah. so good in this spot that Andy, anytime I Andy see Glover anybody else the doing comedy it. version in Lethal yeah. Weapon, now fucking Morgan Freeman has done like the hard boiled fucking serious dramatic one now nobody yeah. can do this fucking seriously and and ever again no because Morgan Freeman crushes this movie yeah. like he's so good in this it's <laughs> yeah he defines yeah. it yeah his replacement is Detective Mills who is played by Brad Pitt and his fucking basketball tie in that opening scene who God, he's good in just this too yeah <laughs> like, who is married oh, to Tracy, uh, who is played by Gwyneth Paltrow, who I don't hate in this, oddly enough. <laughs> no, no, I, I just hate her now. Yeah. And uh, you've got Somerset is like very like exacting and routine and Mills is more like freewheeling and headstrong and shit like that. <laughs> he's much more the cowboy wiser. cop versus yeah. like, yeah, like Morgan Freeman's character, like the Somerset character is very much like the I'm going to read the philosophy of the serial killer book. Yeah, the like steady as you go, slow and steady kind of philosophy. So they meet each other and they start working a case together. And that's when we get like the creepy fucking opening credit sequence. Like at all. Yeah, they do not get along well at all because fucking Somerset. And Somerset's just got no fucking time for it. Like none at all. It's great. And the dynamic is like, you think it's going to be a buddy cop thing and it has like some of that to it but it's so much better than any of those kinds of yeah. things too. Like, yeah, this movie's sure. like 
a ton of different grabs at different genres, but it elevates everything. Like it's yeah. such a well-made it's, movie. It's crazy. Yeah. The, the, you could slap a number of three or four different labels on this movie at yeah. least. And somebody it's would be like, in yeah, genre. totally. Yeah. And it's the best in genre too. Like that's the scary part about yeah. this movie. You can put any label on it. And then it's also the best of that label. Yeah. A lot of the time. So yeah. Yeah. Amongst the top for sure. Yeah. So you get a creepy opening credit sequence with a cover of closer. Remix but, actually. Yeah. Re- yeah, yeah sorry, re- yeah. One of the remix of remixes of closer and you see the killer like sort of making his preparations. You're not seeing like, you know, full body you're just seeing like close-ups and like seeing him writing Hands, his journals and his shit fucking like, fingertips off yeah exactly his fingers all wrapped up with like blood soaking through the gauze and shit like that the two detectives are called in on a case where this morbidly obese dude is found face down in a plate of spaghetti and his hands and feet are bound with barbed wire it's just fucking gruesome the whole apartment is just like infested with vermin and rodents and shit like that yeah and immediately you hear the roaches like, in the soundtrack yeah. like still actually i was listening to it and i'm like are those roaches and i was like is that in the house nope it's on the soundtrack they left yeah. that in the soundtrack the creepy fuckers <laughs> so there you go yeah and immediately you just start like feeling fucking sick <laughs> in this environment yeah, yeah. uh when they examine him further, they determine that he was forced to eat himself to death at gunpoint. And then Somerset feels like it's a serial killer, but like he doesn't have evidence just yet. He, but he, and he has to be reassigned because he's about to fucking retire and he's too yeah. old for this shit. And he doesn't so, want to do this as his last thing because like yeah, this is going to this is going to go on and on and it's going to drag on. Yeah. Also, we need to n- note that we haven't introduced the other character in this movie, which is the constant fucking rain in this version of Gotham City or New York or whatever this is supposed yeah. to be, where it's just like oppressive, constant rainfall until the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Do they ever actually say what city it's supposed to be nope. set in? No, the writer calls it his love letter to New York City to a summer in New York he spent or something like that, but it's not ever specified. And it makes no sense that there's a desert just outside. Yeah, exactly. Of New York. It feels what is that? It feels more yeah, it feels like if you transplanted New York to LA basically kind of thing. Yeah, like it feels like I, very big and urban, like Toronto or like uh, New York or Chicago or somewhere yeah. like that kind of thing. But yeah, then when they leave the city, they're out in the fucking desert with mountains in the background. That's why people always make like the, the Batman comparison comes up a lot. It's not just me who thinks that like it's on mm. TV tropes. People bring it up all the time. It's because of that. It has that Gotham like not really sure where it is. It's always raining kind of feel to it. But if you mm. go outside the town three miles, there's a desert. How does that work? Well, because it, yeah. it's the DC universe, basically. So, exactly. that works. so yeah. that's kind of the way this world works. But yeah, the, the city like and the way they shoot it and like the fucking constant rain just adds to the just horrifyingly oppressive atmosphere of this movie tone, yeah, from tone, like the yeah. opening scene of it, basically, like as they're running in from the rain, you're like, oh, it's going to be one of those. And it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. So Mills asks for the case instead being, you know, all fucking cocksure and wanting to prove yep. himself and saying, like, I can handle this. And <laughs> but then the I don't know if it's like the police chief or whoever the or lieutenant the captain. He's our, that actor. Our is the, 
Yeah, from uh, Full Metal Jacket. He's yeah, the, from Full the Metal Jacket. Yeah, yeah, that's what people would recognize him from. But he's been in a bunch of other stuff besides that. It's just funny because he's like the epitome of like the nasty drill sergeant, and he's playing the most even keeled fucking police captain I've ever seen in a movie ever. Usually, yeah. this guy, this role is fucking screaming at everybody, but this guy's just like, all right. He was an actual right. marine and a drill instructor. Yeah. Like yep. <laughs> he's that's not he acting that Metal shit. Jacket. Yeah, that's yeah. why he got cast in that. And he just kind of was able to transition into doing these cop bit parts over and over again. So there's a lot of good kind of like apocalypse now journeyman actors in this movie actually. Oh yeah. So yeah, for we'll sure. Get into that later. Yeah. So yeah, the, the police captain or whatever says, no, you can't fucking handle this. You're too green for yeah. it. So then uh, Mills ends up getting sent to a second crime scene, not immediately knowing that it's linked to the first one. In this case, in an expensive law firm, a like high priced lawyer has been like bled to death. And in this case, the killer wrote greed on the floor in blood. And Somerset gets given some pieces of plastic that were found in the stomach of the first victim. And he takes them back to the crime scene, trying to figure out where they came from. Ultimately, he figures out that they were like scraped out of the vinyl flooring in front of the refrigerator. And so he pulls out the refrigerator wondering why these plastic pieces were fucking fed to this dude. And ultimately it was, this is all like fucking a Riddlery trail of clues that uh, (laughs) then sends Somerset to find sloth written on the wall behind the refrigerator in Greece. And also a quote from paradise lost from Milton's paradise lost is uh, there as well. So using this and what's going on in the other crime scene, the, the lawyer crime scene, Somerset figures out that there's, the serial killer is killing based on the seven deadly sins. So sloth, greed, lust, wrath, envy, pride. What's the one that I'm missing? Gluttony. Which is actually the gluttony. first, the one that we, we get to first is gluttony. So yeah, is gluttony the first guy. Glut, yeah. Gluttony is the first one is the, yeah. The, the fat dude, not sloth. Sloth comes later. Yeah. Cause he lists them off, right? Like he gets in there and he's like, he yeah. lists them off in a specific order. And then when he says the fifth one is rat, like the, the one that's wrath, is the apartment number that Brad Pitt and Tracy live in is five. Oh, right? well, little nod there. There's yeah. so much foreshadowing in this movie. When you watch it back, it's just like littered yeah. with hints about what's the first <laughs> shot you see of Tracy of Gwyneth Paltrow is she's completely boxed off just her head in the shot. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's weird. And then at the <laughs> end of the movie, you're like, oh, shit, that's all oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. All this foreshadowing. It's crazy. This movie's so well made. Yeah. So Somerset goes to the library and researches the seven deadly sins, like old fashioned and, you know, reading through books and shit like that. Like not, you know, the actual like Can- Canterbury tales and shit like that. Tough reads, and, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While Mills is at home pouring over the crime scene photos and like trying to figure out what's going on just based on those really good fucking juxtaposition between the two of those. He also like attempts to read those books that Somerset's reading, but like he yeah. can't fucking get into them because he's got the attention span of a fucking gnat. And yeah. so he just goes and literally buys the Coles notes instead. <laughs> and you gotta, do what you, gotta do. you know what I mean? Yeah. You gotta understand what's going on. You gotta understand what's going on. I understand <laughs> that. I've done Coles notes for some stuff. Yeah. Then. So Tracy invites Somerset over to dinner, like wanting to get to know her husband's new partner in an apartment. They definitely would not be able to afford on a single salary in any big city these days, especially no. like a fucking cop salary. Cause she's yeah. not working. It's just yeah. him working. And yeah, this place is 
I mean, it's not the best apartment, but it's huge for yeah, it's real big. two fucking people. <laughs> yeah, it's real big. Although yeah. the the train thing is, I mean, that's a pretty good like beat that they have in there. Morgan Freeman loses it when they tell him the story about the train, like the real yeah. estate agent. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love that scene. It's, and it's a good scene. You know, they're just going back and forth, telling sort of stories to each other. Some of it is just kind of throw away and other stuff will kind of come back later. But it's a, it gives just enough insight into these characters yeah. and sort of how they relate to each other. And having the wife there, having Tracy there sort of disarms Somerset to an extent. So his guard gets dropped and he's, you know, starts revealing a little bit more about his history and his life and shit. So like you need that scene in there, but it doesn't overdo it. Right. You're not sitting there yeah. being like, I don't fucking care. Just get to the next shit. Part of that is because the performances are great too. Yeah. It's the thing. It's like, you're intrigued by the performances. These are like a class, like this is triple a class fucking actors though. Yeah. Right. And maybe a little earlier on, but like this is Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, like yeah. Paul Trail, these are all very capable multi-million dollar level actors. Mm-hmm. Like just kind of acting together. And it's kind of cool to see. It's just them kind of like sitting doing a scene without yeah. a bunch of action and insanity going on. They're just having a chat and it's fucking awesome to watch. So yeah. Especially because it's like you know what's coming, especially as you're doing a rewatch. And this is like the the calm before the complete storm hits. Like everything goes completely sideways in like the next scene. And then it yeah. never stops till the end of the movie. So yeah. So after dinner, they the two detectives, they sit down and start reviewing the greed case. And they talk about that the victim was forced to cut off a pound of his own flesh, a la Merchant of Venice. And there's like the scales of justice in front of him. And, you know, they're talking through like the mindset that that guy had, like that the victim had to be in, like trying to figure out like, oh, my fucking God, like what can I cut off? What is expendable and shit like that. And all, all that shit where they're like trying to get into like, Holy fuck. How must it felt to be in this situation is fucks with you really hard. Yep. (laughs) They figure out that maybe his wife was supposed to see something because the killer defaced a picture of her and drew glasses onto it. And, Uh, They show her all the crime scene photos and she notices that a painting in the office was upside down and then they take down the painting and eventually they figure out that help me has been spelled out on the wall behind the painting, but it's not in the fingerprints of the victim or any fingerprints that are related to the case so far kind of thing. So they run those prints on like a fucking Microsoft DOS computer that still has six. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> 1995 with a, baby. with a monochrome monitor <laughs> i like this because there's some stuff in here where like and it, we're actually coming up to the next part where this like there's an anachronistic bit where you're like well i'm out of soul fashioned but like where yeah. they're super like oh my god we're, we're, they're all verklempt about like privacy and stuff like that when they're dealing yeah. with the fbi guy which now like post 9-11 you'd be like fuck whatever of course. Yeah. just give me those records already of, they probably yeah, would already they have the records up. Yeah, yeah, it's like they would have those already accessible yeah. to them. Whereas this, they like hem and haw about it because like he has to go to his FBI guy and like spend money and it's illegal. Yeah. And there's no chain of evidence, all this other shit. Now they just yeah. be like, fuck it, get the guy off the street. Go get him. Go get him. Go get yeah. him. Go get him. So <laughs> like the computer expert dude tells them like, sometimes this thing can take like up to a day to find a match on prints. Whereas I'm sure now it's like 30 seconds or some shit oh, like yeah. that, right? Yeah. <laughs> the computing power we've got now. 
That's Morgan Freeman's son, or one of them, anyway. I'm not sure if he has oh, one of them, but that's Morgan that, Freeman's son. The yep. computer expert dude. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I may have listened to the commentary track on this movie a couple times. Oh, nice. Fincher, this is one of uh, a rare Fincher commentary track on this one, actually. Like, he did it himself. So, yeah. So, they do end up finding a match, and the match is to a drug dealer so his fucking prints are already in the system they go to the drug dealer's apartment with like thinking this has got to be the guy this is the murderer so they fucking take the full on SWAT team and everything that includes the angry doctor from Scrubs Yeah, I was uh, going to say dude from uh, is it John C. McGinley yeah, John, or whatever? John C. McGinley from Scrubs yeah. <laughs> he's in here Costco or what is it Swap for Dicks or whatever the guy says Yeah, uh, that movie is yeah. such a good movie <laughs> yeah, they like smash say? down the door and they find a dude in a bed they didn't find a dude they find a body you can't belie the fucking jump scare this is the best jump scare that's ever jump scared that i've ever seen i remember seeing theaters that jump scare and i was like holy fuck this is a good jump scare and it works because i hit the back fucking wall of the theater that i was in when i watched that oh yeah me too first time i saw it so good Yeah. yeah so they they there's a body what appears to be a body lying in a bed there's like fucking air fret like car air fresheners hung everywhere and they pull off the covers of the bed or off of this body and they see like that the hand has been cut off he appears to be dead and has this is where it has sloth written above his bed and then they find a stack of pictures that date that are taken like not necessarily every day, but like every few days or something like that, dating back to a year to the day from the day that they're finding this body, including one from like just a few days prior. And it's just like in different stages of like deterioration and dehydration and shit like that. So you can see the progression in these pictures. And then he, the shitty oh, cop, he's the, got, the, the scrubs cop goes to talk shit to the dead guy. Yeah, yeah who also has needles like laying all around yeah. the body and shit like that, too. Yeah. Like, has clearly been just like injected with just tons of fucking drugs, every fucking yeah. drug you can imagine. And yes, then the shitty cop SWAT team dude like goes down and like takes a close look at the dude's face and the dude like sputters to life right in front of him. Like he's still just barely alive and has been purposefully kept alive in this deteriorated fucking state by the, by the killer, which yes, I will never forget the moment that he fucking comes to life in that bed. That shit fucked me up. Even as like a 16, 17 year old as like that, that image is, I'm never going to be able to get that out of my head. It's like the fucking train spotting dead baby kind of thing, right? Like it's one of yeah, those things that yeah. you just an image that is just fucking burned into your mind yeah. forever. It was this. And I remember Requiem for a dream is around the same time-ish period. And I remember seeing both of them and just being like, fuck, there's some imagery from both movies. that like sticks with me as like the scariest, weirdest shit I've ever seen. And that corpse mm-hmm. coming to life in this movie. Ugh, yeah. Ugh. I could have swore it was a dummy. Like I thought it was a dummy until it started moving, and then it, like starts yeah. moving. You're like, oh my god, that's a dude. And I guess it yeah. was. Like it actually, they found like a 96 pound man to a put really under like that gaunt prosthesis. Dude. Oh, I, yeah, I figured it would probably be like yeah. a puppet or something like that. Or no, no, it's actually a guy do. under like Jesus. makeup and stuff. Yeah, nasty. Yeah. So anyway. So, you know, the they're working the crime scene and everything, and a photographer comes up and tries to take some pictures of them. Mills shoes them away. Stupidly gives him his name. That's the, yeah. that's the big problem right there. So he gives him his fucking name and badge number, and that seals everybody's fate at that point. Yeah. 
I mean, realistically, he probably could have figured that out in the end anyways. Yeah. But yeah. But like still like he, he very like it's so easy at that point to just be like, Oh yeah, yeah I need this guy's address. Yeah. You'll find out soon enough. Yep. The drug dealer is yeah, totally useless to them. He is brain damaged from all the fucking drugs that have been injected to him. His body's deteriorated. He's chewed off his own tongue, so he can't even fucking talk or anything like that. Like, this dude's going to die. There's no way to avoid that. But, you know, the, the killer's point was just to keep him alive until he, he could be found. Tracy asks Somerset to meet her for breakfast because, like, she's having trouble adjusting to life in Gotham the City. The big city, yeah. whatever Great. fucking city this is, yeah. The third level and of hell, technically, I guess. Based, <laughs> according to David like Fincher, it. like, that's why the rain is happening, because it's based on the Divine Comedy, right? Like, they keep mm-hmm. referencing Dante's Divine Comedy. And the third level of hell, it's raining constantly uh, in that book. I'm not mm-hmm. recommending anybody else go and try and read that, because I did after I saw this movie. And oh, it, the Divine Comedy? Yeah, it's a it's quite the sit. Oh, even I, if you're, I watched, yeah, I watched the or read the Inferno years uh, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read all of them now. It took a while <laughs> though. It's yeah. like when you like when you read the Cimmerillion, it was kind of like that for me. Like I just had to like kind of sit there and dig through them, basically. Yeah. But whew, it's a lot yeah, of the only one that I ever that I ever read was the Inferno, and I mean that's you know kind of the part that has all the really fucked up shit in it anyway. So yeah, I got like a series of prints that are gonna be based on that at some point. If I make it to 60, I might have the time to do them, I think. So there you go. <laughs> so she also reveals to Somerset that she is pregnant, but Mills doesn't know yet. And Somerset sort of shares that like he and his old flame that he, he had talked about with them at dinner previously, she had gotten pregnant and he convinced her to get an, get an abortion basically because like, Mills has or uh, Somerset has like no faith in humanity left at this point. Like, you know, there's even back when his girlfriend got pregnant, like, you know, just believes the world is a fucking terrible place full of evil people and that it's not right to bring any other child into it. And yeah, I, I I feel that. Yeah. uh, That's been my actually, man, that philosophy might explain my entire life. Shit, this movie really fucked me up. Actually, now that I think about it, <laughs> yeah, like Somerset kind of like tries to comfort Tracy and you know s- sort of give her maybe some advice and stuff like that. Uh, Somerset and Mills pay off a dude, uh, one of Somerset's like old informants, to get a list. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, oh, what's the dude's name? Who's Trask in Batman Begins? It's Bobby yeah, from. Uh, Sons of Anarchy. I can't remember the names the guy's name, yeah, but he's he in like a ton in of shit. The Mandalorian too. He's in that episode of Mandalorian. Yep. He was yep. like yeah, the yeah. he was the leader of what's his name's old crew or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's been a ton of shit though. He's awesome. So I just like I like pointing out those little like character actors when they pop up. So yeah, there's a bunch of those in here. My, Mark. <laughs> well, we're coming up on like when during the lust killing is kind of like where the the two big ones pop up. For me, anyway, like those two actors yeah. are kind of like name people for like yeah. if you're a best yeah. of the worst kind of guy. So, yeah, he they pay this dude off to who's uh, like an FBI dude who just fucking like does the shit on the side for some extra money kind of thing. And like, yeah, they pay him off to get a list of people that have checked out certain like blacklist or not like blacklisted books, but 
books that like if you check them out you end up on a list kind of thing which like, I'm, I'm sure i'm on that i'm on that list now so <laughs> sure, like you know it's sure, like mind Kampf and like you know books about like how to murder people and well that's what they they mentioned my comp by name when they list the, like yeah. like that kind of thing but like a lot of like especially like thomas aquinas which they yeah. bring up by name and like uh, the marquis de sade lots yeah. of the stuff like i mean yeah again they talk about dante and the inferno and the divine comedy and all that kind of stuff yeah. yeah, anything that would like probably lead you down the kind of rabbit hole of either you're writing a paper on true crime or you're about to commit true crime. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So they looking specifically for a profile of like books that they think that the killer might have used to plan. And it's all the ones that Somerset had been reading earlier to research. They do find a profile that matches. They go to the dude's apartment. His name on his library card is just John Doe. J-O-N, not J-O-H-N. And John Doe sees them at, they're, they're like knocking on the door of, of the apartment that's registered to the person that owns this library card. And John Doe sees them as he's coming back, you know, from getting some groceries, he's coming back to his apartment and he opens fire on them and runs. And then there's a big old chase scene through the apartment building and then like across some rooftops and stuff like that through some alleys, which isn't particularly flashier or anything, but like, I've always found that sequence like really striking, really impactful. It's a, yeah, it's like a classic film like chase sequence before you would have to do like superheroes pounding through walls and shit like that like nobody smashes yeah, like a follow, window like or crazy follow shots and stuff like that like it's cut together in a really good way yeah it's cut together and like they're falling off of shit and like it's yeah. awkward and stuff like that they're not as it's not fucking like captain america or batman or whatever like it's yeah, kind of regular dudes doing this shit and stuff like that. And but when they very, go outside, like, it's pouring out fucking intense. rain again. And as soon as you get near a window, you can just hear the fucking rain pouring. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Doe ends up getting the drop on Mills and gets away because Somerset comes up just as Doe is about to put one in Mills' skull. And they search John Doe's apartment, which is just fucking like just a study in set design, set design. Oh. Yeah, and production design yeah, and find, you think, uh, you think those guys from the Batman spend some time watching this scene? <laughs> no, yeah, no. It's, it's, it looks like exactly <laughs> like Riddler's fucking, fucking apartment. Shot. It's yeah. scary in some spots that it's shot yeah. for shot. So yeah. So they, they find all kinds of evidence of, you know, him planning his killings, journals, pictures of the previous victims. And then Mills finds some pictures of themselves of Mills and Somerset. And it turns out that John Doe was the p- photographer that was at that last crime scene that had been taken pictures of them and that Mills shoot away because he had no fucking idea what the killer looked like at this point. Yeah. So John Doe calls his apartment and tells the detectives, you know, he's impressed with them because he didn't expect that they would figure out who he was. You know, he's anticipated a lot, but obviously hadn't figured out that they would be able to track him to his home this quickly and then he but then he says he's going to start moving up his schedule for the rest of his plans so this is also the, the very much is, a, like this serial killer never watched an episode of the x-files where they like show that the fbi could find you doing this stuff like the x-files started two years before the show started this thing happened come on <laughs> i should know you could find them that way because yeah. they started they talked about all that kind of stuff like tracking reading and stuff like that early on was that in silence yeah. of the lambs too you'd think somebody who was doing this shit would know this stuff Maybe I those movies that. don't exist in this weird fucking fictional city. In this like variant of Gotham City. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so 
Mills and Somerset follow a clue from John Doe's apartment to a basically a receipt to a custom bondage leather shop where John Doe had placed a custom order. And like as they're there, they get called to the next crime scene, which is lust, which is at like a sex club, basically, or like a quote unquote massage parlor where a John was basically ordered at gunpoint to fuck a prostitute while wearing this de- custom-made device, which was a harness with a knife strap-on, basically. Yep, yep. There's no uh, clean or better way to no, define no it. No nice way to say that. Yep. So this is where we get uh, Michael Massey as the like kind of proprietor of the club. Uh, yeah. Who's like famous character actor? He's been in The Crow and like mm-hmm. uh, all kinds Guess of other shit. Could. Uh, X Files episodes, Laud- like he was in Carnival at one point, yeah, like that kind of stuff. He's one of those guys you would just know him to see him, right? Like absolutely. All and sorts then of stuff also, like the, the victim, the, the sorry, 90s. the remaining victim of this killing uh, is played by Leland Orser, who is also one of those guys who you see in like yeah. fucking everything. He's in this. He's in Independence Day. He's in Alien Four. He's in fucking Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, Alien Resurrection is what I remember him from. Yeah, he's in Taken Two and Three for some reason. I think he plays one of. Liam Neeson's buddies, like CIA buddies or whatever, but he's mm. been in tons of shit. These there's so there's these two big name, not big name, but like if you're a fan of B, kind of whatever or like character actors Escape from LA, <laughs> yeah, he, these two guys are like it's kind of it's almost distracting. See these two faces pop up in the middle of this movie that otherwise yeah. is only cast with like kind of no namey people, and then Brad Pitt, and Morgan Freeman are there, right? Yeah. So far, but either way, yeah, they're, they're, and they both put on amazing performances, specifically uh, Leland Orser who almost like gave himself a fucking fit, I guess. Like he forced himself it to hyperventilate. Like yeah. To tell. And didn't sleep for two days to get, make his performance like super authentic and holy shit. Crushed it comes it. across. Yeah. Crushed sure. it. Yeah. So Mills and Somerset are, you know, getting real fucking depressed now. Cause they, even though they found the dude's apartment, they still have not been able to stop him from, you know, doing more of his killings. So they go to a bar and they fucking like just psychoanalyze each other back and forth for a while. And it's more just, you know, given insight into their personalities and character stuff. Yeah. That kind of thing. Then the next victim is found. It is a model who has had her face and her nose cut off despite her face. (laughs) Or nose cut off and her face slash. I think they say like, but yeah, she's mutilated to the point where like the choice given to her is suicide or living with a disfigurement. And exactly. Yeah. They, the, John Doe has glued basically a, a bottle full of sleeping pills to one of her hands and a phone to the other hand. So her choice is basically she can call for help and live, but she'll be disfigured or she can take the pills and end her life because she just can't bear the thought of living without her beauty, basically. And she has taken the pills and died. Then... They're going back to the police department and Doe just fucking turns himself in. Covered Nobody in blood. notices him. Nobody sees him until he starts screaming either. Eh? Yeah, he's he's covered in blood, but like he's just such an unassuming guy that he just wanders in. Nobody stops yeah. him or anything like that. And he has to fucking yell at Detectives Mill and, and Somerset to get their attention. And then you turn around and you see he's got blood all over his hands and his shirt and shit. Yeah, they bring it up a couple times in this movie where like uh, Somerset's t- talking about like how like if you were getting raped in the city, you, you yell fire because people will come running for fire. But if you yeah. yell rape, they just keep walking. It's very like indicative of that mindset. This scene where he walks in covered from in head to toe from in blood. Yeah. And it just until he screams and calls attention to himself, people are so big city, like focused on their own shit. 
yeah. that they don't even see him. He's invisible to them. And that's kind of like the scary part about the character. He's so unassuming that he's just invisible. Yeah. And he's just like the fucking biggest monster you've I mean, ever seen. Fucking I, the only reason I f- can figure that Kevin Spacey got this fucking role is because Kaiser Sose, right? Oh yeah, is because yeah. usual suspects. Like they were like, okay, we need like this everyman dude that you know can fucking look like just nobody, and but is actually just this fucking total monster. And I hate saying it, but he's pretty good in that role. You know what I mean? Like he plays the role well. As far as I fucking hate giving Kevin Spacey any compliment whatsoever. We'll talk about um, that later. Yeah, but they can't trace John Doe like they try and run his prints, but he's cut off his fucking fingertips. So he doesn't have fingerprints anymore. Uh, He has no ID with him. His bank account is new. He appears to be independently wealthy. He doesn't have any uh, anything tying him to any past identity or anything like that. He confesses to all the crimes, but he says that there are two more bodies, but will only take the detectives to them at a very specific time. and. Only the two of them are allowed to go with them. So they agree knowing like that this isn't over yet. And basically if they like don't take him and you know, the press finds out that they didn't try and find these last two bodies that they'll just fucking massacre the cops kind of thing. The police department Except he's lying. Cause they would absolutely have found those last two bodies. Well, or at least the two, they would have- the two bodies don't exist yet is the problem. <laughs> well, they have to exist by now. Otherwise, nothing makes sense. She has to be dead already, right? Well, no, the last two bodies are our mill. No, yeah, that's no. right. One of one Kim, of the bodies is is already yeah. Both of them are already because the baby's in there, and he knows about the baby. Mills doesn't know about the baby, right? She's pregnant. Two well, bodies. That's I guess what I, that's what I read it as. I always, I always figure that John Doe is the last body, right? Well, yeah, there's definitely like that. He's he like he uses he's, he's the representation. Yeah. yeah, he's the representation of the last. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess because, you know, the, the killer or the victims are the people that commit the sins and Doe ends up being the envy victim yes. or the M- envy perpetrator. And I guess ultimately, I think that Mills is the last body. Right. Because it, it's whether whether it's figurative yeah. or literal, whether like yeah. he ends up like getting the chair or whatever for killing a, a fucking, you know, uh, he's a cop. He wouldn't get the chair. He just ended up in a fucking true. he'd end up in, well, a, not, not in our world, maybe in this world. Who knows? Or you know, it's just that his fucking life has been ruined and taken away from him. And like he's just left basically a walking corpse at this point because like his wife and child are dead and yeah, his career is gone and all that. Or he carves his face up and decides he's really obsessed with the fucking bat guy. <laughs> yeah. Or that, <laughs> or he's Heath Ledger. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. that too. <laughs> so anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves on the yep. drive. John starts like telling more about his plans and just fucking, you know, he does like the arch villain monologue shit talks like how, about how he was chosen by a divine power to do what he did. And the, fucking dialogue back and forth is just outstanding so and good. also the yeah. way it's just so well written in the way that john kind of dances around the truth here yeah and he ultimately directs them to an area again this is like out in the desert that's just outside this big fucking new york or chicago city which makes no fucking it's sense pouring it's, rain yeah there's this huge arid desert that it's not getting <laughs> affected exactly by that rain at it. all 15 minutes away yeah. makes total sense <laughs> yeah and uh, there's like a trailer and some high tension electrical lines. And then there's a, a helicopter that's full of like the SWAT team, including angry scrubs, doctor cop <laughs> in there too. And 
he takes them out just to kind of this nowhere address and they all get out of the car. A delivery van starts driving up and Somerset goes out to meet the delivery driver who gives them a box that he was hired to deliver there. And it's addressed to detective mills and doe tells mills like they're, you know, kind of far away from each other at this point and doe can't really see what's going on. Somerset opens the box and like radios to the cops saying that like John Doe has the upper hand starts to run screaming back to Mills. Yeah. Put your gun down and tell him to put, put down his gun. In the meantime, Doe is telling Mills that like, he really does admire him, especially the life that he's built for himself, like his little family. And he tells Mills that he went and visited his wife and tried to like play, you know, like happy family husband and wife with her. And then when she resisted, Doe killed her and took her head as a trophy. And that's what is in the box. And Mills doesn't ever see what's in the box. He no. just sort of he starts asking Somerset, basically. And you've seen the fucking memes about this because like, yeah, it's the, the famous one like scene of this yeah. fucking movie. And it's, yeah. you know, the, what's in the box. And then John Doe reveals that his sin is envy and his envy was of Mills and his life. And he tells Mills that Tracy had begged for her life and the life of her unborn child, which Mills did not know about. And Brad Pitt just puts in like maybe the best performance of his career in this scene in particular. And you can see the realization on his face. Freeman too. Freeman. That that his like like the despair in his face when he realizes it's over. He's like, I fucking lost. He just looks up. Like it's over. When, yeah, when he see when he sees Tracy's head in the box and is just like, well, no, it's not even that. Like when he realized when John Doe says like the the kid, like when he don't when oh, yeah. Mills realizes the kid is involved, like that she yeah. was pregnant, and Freeman realizes like that's it, it's done. He's gonna kill yeah. him. Like and that's exactly what happens. Like that because yeah. they have the subliminal shot of Tracy's face, and then yeah, he yeah. starts fucking opening fire on him. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, so then yeah. Mills becomes Wrath, which is exactly what Doe wanted, and he shoots Doe in the fucking face, which Six kills times. him. Yeah, kills him and, you know, completes his life's work, basically. And the cops arrest Mills, and Somerset tells the police commissioner that he'll be around. And then there's a Ernest Hemingway quote about, like, uh, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. And he says that he agrees with the second part, because this point you know i don't think i'll ever believe again that the world is a fucking good and decent place after all i think i use that as my high school yearbook quote actually just to like yeah. irritate everybody <laughs> just to be fucking edgelord high school mark yeah man yeah absolutely so. <laughs> i was totally that dude i love this and movie man. roll credits with another nine inch nails song yeah, yeah with this actually, time with david bowie roll roll credits in reverse because they go fucking True. down they, yes, they're very strange they, yeah they roll from the bottom of the screen to the top rather than top to bottom so that was uh 1995 7 so what did you like do we have any gripes about this movie like what what's, I what's your, like, what's your problem like what do you want to bitch about you want to bitch about kevin spacey being in it yeah that's the only <laughs> like thing the only that, problem that I now could- so let's fucking get, just get that shit out of the way. Yes, the the only thing I could come up with to complain about is that this fucking sex pest is in it. Yeah, but I can't really fault it for that. Like even that can't fucking taint this movie for me. When I sat down and thought about it, like I don't think that this is a masterful performance on Spacey's part by any fucking stretch. Like he I was think putting that, in solid workman performances all through the nineties, and like I know yeah. we gotta like he's a piece of shit, but like he was doing just, good work. 
I just I like, don't think that he contributes his best, that though. much in the end. No. Like, I think any other number of actors yes. could have taken that role on just as effectively. Apparently, Ned Beatty, Val Kilmer, and Michael Stipe were all cons- uh, considered for that role as well. Ned Beatty, I don't see working, but Val Kilmer or Mike, even Michael Stipe, I could fucking see working in that role. Like, falling into that, you know, just very plain, ordinary fucking dude, but that you know, just has all this fucking pent up rage inside. Val Kilmer is almost too pretty because he's Val Kilmer. Yeah, but they can dress him down, right? He's in such the same a good way actor, that they dress, that they totally dress Kevin Spacey down. Yeah, true. Yeah, but Kevin Spacey looks like a normal, like fuddy duddy dude. You know what I mean? Compared to like compared to Val yeah. Kilmer specifically. He doesn't anyway. have <laughs> Kilmer's got that fucking jawline. Yeah, he's got to soften like, to be Val able to Kilmer take him was seriously. Batman at one point, like yes. he's a good looking man. I agree. Like I would have taken. Any of them. I don't think he's bad in this. And like now it it's kind of it's nice to see him get shot in the face six times. Yeah. The movie doesn't work without Freeman or Pitt. You know. It could work without Spacey. Well, you could replace almost everybody else in the movie except for Freeman and Pitt. Like yeah. their chemistry together is kind of what I mean, oh, I can't even say it's like what sells the movie, because like this movie's fucking amazing script sells, sells the stuff. fucking movie. Script but, and like, directing. The script and directing sell the movie. Yeah. Like the technical side of this movie is basically perfect for what it's supposed to be like as a yeah. like a late 20th century noir kind of thing like how can you get better than this it's not like nothing's going to be shot better it's directed with an inch of its life the score is yeah. fucking amazing and like just makes you feel like you have more stress in your life than anything ever ever you feel your heart palpitating just because the score of this movie is fucking playing in the background because <laughs> it's so fucking tense yep the howard shore score yeah, it's so it's excellent. It's like, just so well made. And then, yeah, I guess, like, I mean, you could take or leave Spacey, but you can't take or leave Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, I think. No, I think this is my favorite. I mean, I, I don't, like, Morgan Freeman does a lot of kind of movies that I don't really tend to watch, yeah, like, same. more dramatic sort of shit. So, like, this, I think, is probably my favorite Morgan Freeman role. Uh, either this or Lucius Fox. Like, I really yeah, like when he's really smug in Dark Knight yeah. and, like, telling the guy to, like, yeah, go. That's a good idea to go get in a fight with Batman over a secret identity. <laughs> yeah exactly so that's yeah, him, freeman and pitt play off each other so fucking well it's yeah their sort of relationship is a pretty interesting take on the whole like new ways aren't always better idea but like in the pre you know these days like that all has to do with like technology and cell phones and computers and shit like that whereas this is more just like ego more than anything right it's yeah. like he's just the headstrong fucking like asshole that thinks he can do everything better because you know he fucking scored well on his exams in the police academy or some shit like that right he's exactly yep. that headstrong fucking douchebag young hotshot so yeah. yeah but ultimately somerset and mills are both flawed characters in the end like somerset you you could see this being written in a more trite way where Somerset is just like the wise old fucking cop and everything that he says and does is perfect kind of thing. But no, like it's Somerset is too much of a pessimist. Like he's the one that refuses to overlook, you know, the, the bad shit in the world to see the genuinely good shit and see like that. Some people are just like, troubled and sick and not necessarily just bad fucking people <laughs> yeah he like legit believes like the world is evil like that evil yeah. exists as like a force kind of thing yeah. almost whereas mills is clearly too fucking naive and just wants to assume the best in people and like you can't fucking go around doing that either like you so yeah the, the balance is somewhere in between them but yeah and like you said too like in terms of performances the the supporting cast is just fantastic the, the guy that plays the coroner uh reggie kathy 
I, yeah. I really like him. He's in a bunch of fucking shit too. Like he's yeah, uh, and that's the thing. Like because it's a Fincher movie, and Fincher likes casting his like solid B level kind of people. like. Yeah. Well, he likes casting his own people, but he also is just like, he likes picking like workday actors. You know what I mean? Like guys who yeah, just yeah. work constantly. So when they show up in your movie, you're like, oh, I recognize them, but they're going to put in like an awesome, solid performance yeah. to underpin the rest of the movie. Like you could replace a lot of the characters, like people in this movie, but I think you would have to pick from that same kind of every or not every man, but like very working kind of B-level actor, like mm. almost extras that, kind that of guys. Guy actors, right? That guy actors, right? And that's what makes a lot of the scenes in this is they have those like Michael Massey or Lena Lynn Orser in there just mm. doing those bit parts. And they're so good at doing those bit parts that it elevates the entire production, another like half notch kind of thing. Whereas everything is kind of elevated in this movie to the point where you're just like, wow, this is a lot better than <laughs> really... It doesn't have any right to be as good as it is, basically. Like considering what it is, it's basically like... Silence of the Lambs, but like the schlock version of it, like leaning into <laughs> Saw. And yeah, it's yeah. still so well done that you can still talk about it in the same breath as Silence of the Lambs. And like when Tim brought up Saw in regards to this movie, I just kind of looked at it or like I had that blank stare where I was like, oh, yeah. how do you even get a connection between those two? Because well, that's all like right up in your face. Influence. Yeah. I know it makes sense because, but like to me, this movie, like they never really show you the gore. It's all very subtle and like kind of shot just off camera and off out of frame just a little bit whereas yeah, like they those don't, they movies, don't like, ever show you the killings happening for the most yeah. part it's just you're seeing the aftermath of them yeah. kind of thing whereas in saw it's very much like we're gonna put it right in your fucking face and you have to watch the blood spray everywhere kind of thing which arguably makes this a harder sit for me than those movies so <laughs> but yeah like it, there's a lot of comparisons to be drawn there too like the saw movies do the same thing in terms of making you question whether the killer is good or bad kind of thing. Like, cause the fucking victor, the quote unquote victims in the saw movies are often like really fucking terrible people that have done terrible fucking shit. And so, you know, that's why half the time you're fucking cheering for the killer and want to see them fucking die. So, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's one of those movies that is, it's made so craft craftily. Like the, the craft is there, but it's, yeah, a movie that the craft isn't distracting, right? Like yeah. it's, it's all done so well that you don't even notice how fucking well it's made until you're like actually looking for it. Yeah. You have to like, I was on my, I remember like I was probably my third or fourth watch when I started realizing how well shot this was. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I've just seen it so many times at this point. They like every little bit kind of stands out to me as just like, yeah. wow, that's why they don't do that kind of stuff in movies anymore. Like there's little scenes in here. Like the, we talked about it, like the scenes where Somerset and Mills are just getting to know each other either at the bar or like having to know with Tracy, like they would rush through that in a modern movie now. Right. Like you wouldn't get mm-hmm. that scene. Whereas like in this, it's like 10 minutes of the runtime twice where you get yeah. to just sit down and like have a conversation with these people about what's going on or like, and not even always what's going on, just like their lives or something that this situation has reminded them of. And it just adds to the atmosphere and like the tension and all the other stuff that this movie is so good at. I don't know. It's also very well edited. Like you can't, I, there's almost nothing you can take out of this movie. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, if, you, absolutely. if you started chuck, like cutting big chunks Pacing of this movie out, it stops working perfect. and the pacing is, yeah, it's like, once you get past that first dinner scene, all of a sudden, it just like like it just unfurls at like a fucking breakneck pace yeah. for the last like hour, and it's crazy up until you're out in like out in the desert. So, yeah, I don't know. So good. 
I thematically, I really like the material that this movie covers, especially the, the morality play kind of stuff. Like, you know, it's playing with those ideas of these puritanical biblical concepts like sin and evil and how those actually play in the modern world. And to an extent they've become out or some of them have become outdated. Some haven't obviously like we still consider shit like greed to be bad in general, even though we live in fucking hyper capitalist North America now, but like some of those victims we would still think of as genuinely bad people. Others would be like just fucking trying to get by like the prostitute, just trying to fucking make a buck others that we would now classify as or even, you know, in the nineties would classify like as sick, like, you know, having an addiction kind of thing or, you know, the, the glutton victim just being like a product of the fucking cheap, shitty mass produced food. That's like, you know, a lot. That's the only thing some people can fucking afford yeah. that sort of thing. And so it, especially it in an urban really sprawl, like this, very this shitty city, right? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Like that's the, what's, that's the interesting part about this movie is like, it's not just like, it's very black and white, but there's so much, there's still a lot of gray in the mm-hmm. in between of it. I can see you talk about it all goddamn day. Fucking love it. <laughs> so good. I just, I, I appreciated just the opportunity to rewatch this because one, it was nice to revisit something sort of older and self-contained, which I'd kind of been craving lately. That anyways. was actually something I wrote in my notes too. Is like, remember when they just made a movie? Yeah. And it didn't have to be three fucking hours long. And yeah. It was like, you sat through it in two hours. I didn't have to pee yeah. halfway through this fucking thing. I just sat there and, and it, watched it. And, and it was it didn't require knowledge of a whole fictional universe for you to enjoy it. Which I mean, like by and large, those are things that I enjoy, but it is nice every once in a while to just sit it's down nice, and be like, yeah, well, wow, I just, I just watched a movie with a bunch of actors that I like in it. And I don't have to fucking think about it. I'm not worried about a sequel that's coming in three years. I'm not dissecting a teaser sting or something like that. It's just fucking done. And I'm yeah. depressed because the bad guy <laughs> fucking won at the end of this movie. And that's kind of the other reason <laughs> why I like it. The Batman again. Yeah. Like, like they do very little to stop John Doe from realizing his plan. Like ultimately he gets basically exactly what he wants. And yeah, sure. There's like that tacked on bit at the end of the Batman where they're like, they stop the Riddler's like final fucking plan or whatever. But like, he's still kills basically everybody that he set out to yeah whereas in this like yeah he definitely wins right like he gets everything yeah. he wants i don't know it's just i i like the the odd you know bad guy wins kind of story they don't do them very often it's rare to see it i think this is one of those you got to think about it right like they do get him and he's dead at the end but like he does technically like he succeeds that's in what his, he wanted <laughs> yeah exactly like he's he gets what he wanted out of that situation in the end and that's kind of the scary part is like he yeah. got what he wanted I mean, he still got shot in the face six times, but he did, you know, murder. Yeah. Like, the, I mean, that's the like when you were talking about like Mills getting like being the last victim. I think you're right about that in particular because like there is there's numbers of other like of examples in the other killings of that right. Like the the lawyer's wife having like way more traumatized than she would have been just knowing that her husband had been murdered. Where they sit her down and show her the fucking pictures of the crime scene. Nobody mm-hmm. would ever actually see that for any other reason right like you wouldn't normally yeah. do that to somebody's fucking spouse except they're trying to catch this guy so now she's traumatized the lust killer i would argue he's probably the actual fucking joker in this world because he's fucked that guy yeah the guy with the yeah. strap on what does he do from now on aside from go out and fucking start murdering people as a clown because like, what or do you do after put that a fucking gun in his mouth right That's the, the only other option he's got <laughs> is it's either he goes nuts or he kills himself because i don't know what the fuck i do after that aside from go nuts or kill yeah. myself. So that's a horrifying fucking bunch of shit. 
yeah. this movie oh, brings the mind, up. The mind fuck in this is just oh, like, and that's why it's so good. That's why it's such like good. Yeah. almost like horror levels of like psychological thriller. Like it's in that yeah. like elite level because you're like, fuck. Not only does he kill a bunch of people, but he fucks up a lot of people who are probably going to be like the next John Doe's. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could see the line from a couple of these people going out and they go start fucking killing people because that's yeah. how this shit works. Right? Like abuse just fucking proliferates more abuse. Yeah. Especially in these, this terrible little city that is just not Gotham city. Fictional, Gotham city yeah, with the exactly. fucking serial numbers filed off or whatever. Yeah, exactly. This fucking hell place on earth. So. <laughs> and in terms of the, the mind fuck component too, like this is one of the best twist endings of all time before yeah. M night Shyamalan, right? Like if I had to make a list of movies that I'd like to be able to forget completely and watch again, as though it was my first time, this, this is my number would one. be, on yeah near the top if not at the top of that list because yeah, be it's tight. executed so fucking well yeah i can't think of another movie where like the twist at the end and that's like the fincher thing right he's just like good at this shit like yeah. everybody else tries to do the shit that he's good at but nobody's as good at it as he is and i don't know what the difference between fincher and everybody else is but like there's certain guys like him and nolan and like i don't know who else we talked about tarantino to a certain extent but he's a little bit more like schlocky but like those yeah. like real like thinking man's directors like the Finchers and your Nolans yeah. that kind of guy when they turn it on whew, that's the good shit and this is him yeah. cranking it up like he started making just like movie after movie after this one right like he did this yeah. and then Fight Club and then like I think the games in there or something like that and, like, yeah the game was in between the two yeah Panic and Room Zodiacs. and Zodiac and Zodiac's one I'd like to look at at some point because it's a very much it feels like a like an almost like a counterpoint to this movie. When you watch yeah. it, so we'll we'll do that one at some point in the future. Zodiac's amazing. Yeah, Fincher's whole fucking Girl. catalog. Gone Girl's. Oh god, that movie was great. I love yeah. Gone Girl. So yeah, I mean that's. I don't. know What else do you want to talk about? I could just sit here all goddamn day, but <laughs> we could wrap uh, this up. Let's see. Let's let's talk a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about just the the craft, the filmmaker craft on it. Sure. Um, all just, fucking day really interesting framing on certain shots sort of really struck me on this one. Like the way, you know, normally speaking, you would just having a couple characters in dialogue, you would shoot them kind of straight on or, you know, slight angle or something like that. Like off to the side, there's some really interesting shots in here where Fincher shoots them like, almost like from the, like straight on from the side sort of thing, like what the, or like, from down below kind of up and stuff like that. And that really struck me and just really helped to add to that unsettled, like, because it's just not angles that you're used to seeing in a movie. So it's those things that like really good directors can use in ways to unsettle the watcher without realizing why they're feeling unsettled. So the cinematographer on this was Darius Kanji. He shot the city of lost children and then Prague and like delicatessen before this, and like mm. went on after this to shoot like Evita and he did Alien Resurrection, which is terrible. But like he shot Panic Room with Fincher. <laughs> he ended mm. up kind of becoming Fincher's lensman uh, after this for a couple movies. Because I think yeah, he did Panic oh, he did, Room. Did that in Paris too. Yeah, but yeah, also Fincher is a storyboard guy. He likes he hires comic book artists to do storyboards for his stuff a mm. lot of the time, and that's why you get those cool layered shots. That's a very comic booky like shot lineup thing to do is to not just show you what what's there, but to show you what's there, but also have a bunch of stuff in the foreground and background to give the image depth. And when you use that as the basis of your shot building for cinematography, Mm -hmm. you end up with this kind of stuff where like, obviously an illustrator has thought about how to compose the shot. And then you take translating that to a camera 
Yeah. And most cinematographers are also generally like visual artists of some stripe. So they're going like, oh, I see what he's doing. Let's line up the shot exactly like that because it's going to look fucking dope as shit if we don't screw with this. And you do that and you crush it. And Fincher's a guy who will do that because it's like that's the craft, right? Mm-hmm. Get the craft right and half your story is already fucking told for you just by the way you're shooting these characters. And they yeah. do a really good job of like shooting up at these guys to make them look kind of like they're the heroes. And then when things get bad, they're shooting down so that they look yeah. like small and kind of contained and trapped and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, they yeah. always box them in with walls and frames and stuff like that. It's oh, very yeah. well shot. Fincher is so good at making you feel the space of the scene that you're in, yes. whether it's either very tight and claustrophobic or very open, but menacingly. So like in the, that like sort of agoraphobic way where you're like, Oh my God, anything could be out here. Like in the anything desert, could, anything could come at me from any direction kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and the way that the crime scenes are constructed both from a physical standpoint, like designed and everything like that. And then the way that they're framed and shot has always stuck in my mind. Like I can just envision frames from those scenes in my mind, even if like I hadn't watched this movie in 10 years or something like that. And I could still like immediate, like I could tell, I could probably like draw out a storyboard for some of these fucking scenes and have it be like 90% accurate. to the fucking movie. I'm going to make a, an interesting admission of myself here. I've used the crime scenes in this movie, stolen them like outright. I just <laughs> thrown the Batman in the background for sample pages because nice. it makes great fodder for that kind of shot. Right. Like, yeah, and there's tons of shots in this scene. where you could totally see like out of the shadows, the fucking white eyes popping out or whatever in this movie. Yeah. Like as it happens, like there's tons of shots where you can just be like, Oh shit, he's right there. Yeah. So like that's yeah I love this for that like the cinematography in this movie is why it's what it's why I keep bringing it up because it's shot like an old like Kiriskuro like noir comic or something like yeah. that it's also shot like one an, an old noir but with modern technology and stuff but like yeah. yeah it's it's framed in a lot of ways the way like Frank Miller would frame those old Sin City books like just dripping mm-hmm. with fucking black and like you can't really tell where like the shadow starts and the character begins and all that kind of stuff like. Yeah. yeah, this is the kind of movie where I wish I had an OLED with better blacks, basically. And also, <laughs> I need a 4K rip of it with HDR at any fucking time now, guys, because I don't have one and I want yeah. it now. I'd like to rewatch this with better blacks for sure at some point in my life because I haven't seen it like that since like the theater, which is still weird that I somehow snuck my Spe- way into it. Speaking of, you know, the way that they frame the scenes almost like comic panels. Did you read the Xenoscope comic that came out from this about fi- like 15 years ago? Not for this episode, but I have in the past read it. It's yeah. not very good. Like it's not like the art's not great. And like the, the writing's kind of shoddy. Like you can tell us somebody had it like watch, read the movie, watched the movie twice, thought it was cool. And like decided to do this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It was, I bought them cause it was a time when I was just kind of like that. That was one of the only times that I was kind of like trying out some indie books and stuff like that. If they mm-hmm. were like related to, properties i already had some interest in and i was like oh they're making a seven comic that sounds cool and i was already i was already buying a couple of xenoscope's other books at the time and so like it's seven issues there's one dedicated to like each sin and it gives john doe a backstory basically Mm -hmm. and that i'm already kind of at odds with like it it, i don't know that i want i'd like you know it's like the joker right like i I like the idea that the joker is just a force of nature that he was just nobody before yeah exactly just appears out of nowhere and that it or that it just doesn't fucking matter who he used to be because he could be anybody that's kind of yeah and that's why i like about this one can get broken like that ultimately if the world is shitty enough and it fucking is and 
it doesn't really matter who he used to be because now he's just this fucking force of chaos. Yeah, this monster oh. that just exists now. So, yeah. so yeah. It, it it tells rather than telling the story from the point of view of the detectives, it tells the story from John Doe's POV. Yeah. Um, I I don't remember being blown away by them, but I remember generally enjoying them, and I think it was yeah. just because I was like hungry for more of that story. And they do lean like they show you like some of his more of like his journal writings and stuff like that, and that shit is just fucking like fascinating to see yeah. his glimpses into his mind and his motivations and that sort of thing so yeah this is a movie that actually like even influenced me to get into the true crime stuff like the real stuff probably like i probably started oh, yeah. reading like i probably read helter skelter after this movie came out kind of thing you mm-hmm. know what i mean like reading about the manson murders and like anything that came out like son of sam would have been something zodiac when zodiac came out holy shit like yeah. fincher basically gave me something else to like go study you know what i mean and that was around like it was later when like last podcast and all that kind of stuff came up and it became like cool for everybody to do true crime stuff like everybody's in the true crime now it used to just be me you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> some other scary fucking sickos we were just, i was just talking about the Anne rice shows with paul and i was like there is potential there for those shows to be basically twilight again and there's also potential for those fucking shows to be like very very scary and like kind of disturbing and but like thought-provokingly disturbing because the books are mm-hmm. but like i don't have any particular belief that anybody will take the time to make those properly and scare me with those things because there's some horrible shit in those stories that like i'm not saying we should all be fucking like super excited those things exist but like if you're gonna do it do it right and seven's an example of that where like they just lean into the horror of the world and like you can like if i always watch this movie and feel like i need a shower after because this (laughs) makes you feel gross you know what i mean and that's really rare for a movie to make me feel gross after watching it and that's something i can give to this movie not many <laughs> others where i feel fucking dirty after watching it good dirty because i love it but like it, living I feel in that like, world like just the fucking scummy ass production designs and shit yeah. like that like everything just feels like there's one or two places that don't feel like you would just get diseases by Tetanus. touching any surface or yeah. whatever right and it's yeah. like the police department is one of them and i don't know what the fuck they're trying to the say office, by doing the that, law but, office or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. And that's um, about it. And like the the models place home. Every other place looks yeah. like the fucking walls are caving in on themselves. Yeah, or like exactly. they're rotting like, from the inside out, or like they have just fucking shit, just dripping shit. down the walls. Yeah, and fucking awesome. water so stains <laughs> and all that kind of shit. And yeah, it's gross and it stuff. But it's so like, well. oh man, it looks so good. <laughs> yeah. You're like you're doing this kind of horrible shit kind of movie. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you want it to look like that because that looks awesome for this kind of thing. You don't want to live in it because fuck, this is disgusting. You know, you get tetanus. And you don't want to go get yeah. a tetanus shot all the time. It sucks. But like. Man, it looks good when David Fincher's shooting it. So <laughs> there you go. All right. Let's wrap this up, Tim. Let's give it a rate and review. I don't even know how to rate and review this aside from just say, like, this is a 10 <laughs> out of 10 movie for me. Yeah. This is basically like the perfect movie. This is the Mark movie. This is how you do it. If you want me involved, just fucking do this. Yeah. 10 out of 10, guys. I love seven. That's why I was so thrown by the Batman being like, wow, they just leaned right into it. All right. Yeah, they made this, they made this the Batman movie for Mark. Yeah, and uh, I didn't even <laughs> like it that much, which is kind of scary. But yeah, no, I, like this movie's like, I mean, it stuck with me for all these years. I watch it again every once in a while. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 this is still just impeccably it's well made. fantastic. Yeah. And then you should just make more movies like this. I mean, you, you got to find Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, I guess, to do it. Like you need some talent, but and you got to get yeah. David Fincher also, which is problematic because he's a busy man too, but. Yeah, this is uh this is basically like what I look for in movies, which is probably not the best thing. 
Like I probably am a little <laughs> sick, but I love it. So there you go. Yeah. Is this is an example of a 10 out of 10 movie for me as well. Like it's just, it does exactly what it, it sets out to do and it does it just fucking masterfully. It is such a well-made movie, but you don't, notice how well made it is the craft is fincher is such a fucking expert at hiding the craft and just letting the craft guide you further and further into the story yeah absolutely Uh, it's another one of those movies that we've we've talked about a number of these lately that are just like fucking master classes in like suspense and tension like this is one of those movies that you should teach if you want to teach somebody how to write suspense, basically. I would absolutely like throw this. I remember I wrote about this when I was in film school because we were talking about like cinematography and I was like, Fincher, 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 seven, 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 seven. Like, yeah, I would just go on about it. I love this one. So, and like, and like so many really great sort of just standalone movies, it is almost impossible to pin this into a single genre. You could call it a noir detective. You could call it thriller. You could call it a murder mystery. Yeah, exactly. There's huge horror influence into it kind of thing. And it just melds all of that together to make something very uniquely itself. And that is what I love. It's just, you know, one of those examples where I liken it to like, I, I love making cocktails and I always enjoy either making a cocktail or drinking a cocktail that doesn't taste like anything that went into it. That has this sort of like emergent property that comes up from within when you get all the ingredients mixed just right. And it's this new, interesting, complex flavor that you've never tasted before and you can't really pin down what went into it. And sadly, you'll never be able to make again because you can't. One of those flavors is like Morgan Freeman. And you're never going to be able to replace that. Yeah, exactly. Is something that you know, was was super rare and that you can't find anymore or some shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that goes without saying, like for Geek Cred, I absolutely fucking recommend that everybody go recommend that everybody go watch <laughs> Seven this week. If I mean, you're you have the mental fucking capacity to deal with this world for the two hours <laughs> and you're yeah, I mean, interested thing. in like I mean, a lot of it. It's basically because like the Batman evokes this movie so much that like, that's why I brought like when we started talking about what to do this week, Tim was like, do you want to just watch seven? I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Cause we've been talking about it endlessly <laughs> because of that Batman movie. Batman. Let's yeah. just look at this. Like while we're in our heads basically and take the time while we have the time to kind of like look at this fucking movie that obviously Tim and I both fucking adore. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think we've ever both given a movie 10 out of 10 at the same time. Not a movie. TV shows. We we both gave Watchmen ten Watchmen. out of ten. Yeah, yeah. But I don't yeah. know that we've ever both else given a movie on. a perfect score. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. There you go. Weird that it's this fucking just horrifying <laughs> piece of work. Eh? <laughs> what does that say about us and about the world? And yeah, I don't know. Well, oh, I don't know what it says about me that I should be fucking <laughs> in therapy still. But that's neither here nor there. All right, Tim. What do you recommend to the fine people this week? So I'm recommending uh, just seven. Just go watch seven. Or you know what? You know what I watched as a cool down for this that it actually held up pretty well too? Keanu Reeves Constantine is on Netflix right now. Okay. And I sat down after I watched this because I'm like, I don't want to go right to bed after this. I might have a heart attack in my sleep after watching this movie. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and watch Rachel Vice. basically. <laughs> That's why I turned it on. That movie holds up. We should do that one at some point too. It's not perfect, like seven, but it's surprisingly <laughs> good. Like I actually sat and was like, wait, is this movie no, good? I- I've only ever watched it like once. I don't know. It's and I don't good, remember. Too. I remember it having pretty good effects, but it does like, have good effects. It's it's one of those movies Excellent that's like the Swinton appearance playing yeah. an angel. It's so weird. It's, it's one of those movies that 
is a great movie, but doesn't deserve the name that has on it. Or it's a good movie, but it doesn't have deserve the name that has on it. Right. That's always my problem with it. If you strip the, if you strip the Constantine name off of that movie, it would be one of my favorite movies because it's just like, this is a cool, like supernatural Keanu Reeves thriller where Rachel Weiss just gets fucking soaking wet in white shirts for two hours. (laughs) (laughs) and nobody can complain about that right <laughs> yeah but i was like wait this is actually pretty good like it actually feels like a constantine story he's completely wrong for the role but yeah, it feels like a constantine story so i don't know yeah. it's weird <laughs> what's your geek cred tim <laughs> my geek cred for this week is i started watching the final episodes of the walking dead or uh, I guess, I don't know if it's the, I think maybe they're doing this season in three parts. I can't remember. So anyways, this is like the second part of it, but they're in the Commonwealth now. So like oh, very okay. much like the end game, like the last like trade of issues of the actual comic book series. And they're doing it really well, like pretty close to the comic book story. And I, I really liked how the walking dead comic finished up. And so they're, yes. they're going towards a pretty solid conclusion here where like for anybody that hasn't read the full walking dead comic in the, the commonwealth is like this. Yeah. The closest thing that America has to like a fully functional fucking society post apocalypse kind of thing. And, but they've like fallen right back into those like hyper fucking basically wealth inequality situations where like there's a ruling class and like there's a lottery that you can enter to become part of the ruling class and shit like that. And everybody else has just enough to scrape by and everything. And it's, you know, all of this like, well, we're doing this just because, you know, it's familiar to people and all that shit. And there's a, leader i can't remember what her title is or whatever but her son's a total fucking stuck up piece of shit and they've they're hitting all of those elements really really well so it's been fun to watch so far and when did that end that book's been over for like five years now feels like yeah it's been a while yeah so i've read it when it ended the the walking dead comic that's still one of the best books i've ever read like just like from beginning to end they never really fucked up the comic for me on that you know yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's rough. there's there's some seasons in the show that are yeah, yeah definitely not but not uh, as watchable as others. But this uh, the comic the, was always super watchable, and the end of it I I found to be very satisfying. So I'm glad that they're going that direction. Yeah. I know like Kirkman's in the writers' room for that show, so I'm assuming he's going to guide this in for a gentle landing. He knows he's mm-hmm. got other properties. He's got to like get up and running like god damn they almost got me with that lauren cohen negan one you know what i mean like i want to watch that movie or show or whatever like just because those two actors are fucking awesome Mm -hmm. um so i mean that's cool cool you're are you at least enjoying it yeah yeah no i'm enjoying it that's why that's that's why it's my geek cred is i'm I'm, i don't know sometimes we recommend shit that like we want to genuinely bring people along for their suffering ride with (laughs) so no not in this case in this case i am enjoying it and i think that they've got the tone right to sort of like you said fucking guide it in for a solid final landing cool i think you're worth like doing like a greatest hitch watch of walking dead when it's all said and done like once i can kind of figure out what seasons to kind of like cut through real quick or like watch it (laughs) cutting well like maybe watch like a youtube best of that season kind of thing just to kind of make sure i know what the fuck's going on in the plot without having to sit through like a year of them being on the farm again because that fucking ruined the show for me at the beginning that was painful yeah all right everybody thank you so much for listening this has been episode 294 of dance robot dance if you haven't already please subscribe you can do that from any podcasting app via our new host Podbean, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon music stitcher and fuck spotify you can get us on any of those services (laughs) 
you have any thoughts about anything we talked about this week, like if you love seven, like we love seven, please hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. Email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at DRD underscore podcast. I've been here with Tim. He's at DRD underscore Tim on Twitter. Say goodnight, buddy. Good night. And I'm Mark. I'm on Twitter at I'm underscore Willette. And I'm on Instagram at MT underscore Willette. Although I don't know. Is Instagram still up? It was down earlier. It's fucking terrible lately. So <laughs> I'm on Twitter at M underscore Willette. If you're looking for me, uh, we will talk to you next week about fucking who knows what. But we'll be yeah. back. So there you go. Have a good one, everybody. Go watch seven. Yeah. How much do you think uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box would sell for on Goop? A lot. She's their <laughs> god, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't get it. I've never gotten it. Like, no, it's a bunch of fucking woo, fucking white people high oh, the, that have too much money bullshit. I was just talking about Gwyneth Paltrow. I just never got it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even this, too. I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah.